All right. So welcome to Late to Anime School. I am your brash lesbian host, Ashley, and joining me this week, I have Ross and Jennifer. So Ross, any intro from you? I am Ross. I am still working on a creative intro. Nice. Jennifer? I'm Jennifer. Um, username on Discord is Ruby BX Gang. Some people tend to pronounce it as Bix, but it's fine. It's B- BX for the Bronx. Hi. I get the feeling you're a bumblebee shipper, and that is welcome here. <laughs> anyway. So for this first episode, we have a special guest. We have a transfer student this week. We have Avidan joining us, and we are going to be introducing him to anime because he hasn't really been watching much of it. So we're going to start with like, here's just a good intro to this massive, wonderful world of animation. Avidan, got anything to say about yourself? Uh, I have no idea what I'm doing. All anime is uh, strange to me, and I'm really hoping that changes uh, in the near future. All right. That sounds tenable and like a thing that we can work with. So for this first episode, we started with the very classic, very good, nice, solid intro to what you see in anime with fun animation and just like a good general accessible story. So we're starting with Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. On this episode, we'll be discussing episodes one through three of the show. So with that, I mean, I guess, Avidan, since you're the one we're introing to things, what's your initial thoughts on the show? Um, well, I, I liked it. Uh, it was a little weird at first, but uh, I, I think I kind of like where it's going, and I'm kind of curious to see what comes next. Was the first episode kind of odd to you? Is that what you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, it. it's... Uh, granted, the backstory stuff doesn't come till episode two, so there was some piecing together I had to do in the first one. Uh, but yeah, there were certainly some some concepts introduced in the first episode that kind of took made me kind of have to think really hard about what was happening. I don't blame you because that's the one part of Fomalka's Brotherhood that's kind of awkward for newbies. Do you know the story about it in its manga? Probably not, but no. Yeah, from my vague understanding of the manga, because it's been a long time since I've seen the manga, since I've dealt with the original Full Metal Alchemist regular anime that kind of fell in line with a lot of like the late 90s, early 2000s animes. Um, the first episode, I want to say, is more closer to the manga than what the original anime had intended when you get into episodes two and three that's episodes one and two of the original anime well actually what i was saying was that episode one of brotherhood is entirely new to this thing it's not in the manga because the original full metal alchemist anime was airing when the manga was ongoing so they had to like halfway through like make up their own ending and change everything so when they remade Brotherhood, they're oh, like, okay, right. now we want to follow the actual manga. But at the same time, they didn't want to spend 20 episodes going over every single thing they went into detail in the original. So they made that new episode to kind of set things up. And then they go through the re- a lot of events pretty fast to get to the new stuff. So that's why episode one is kind of odd to newbies, I think. Yeah, that's pretty fair. 
And I understand not necessarily wanting to start with the backstory episode because you have no investment in the characters or in like what they're doing. So like there's some, I guess, value to like the in media rest type of uh, approach with episode one. But still, it was just like, okay, here's this guy running down the alley drawing. We're talk symbols. Okay, what the hell is happening now? Magic is what's happening. And I was going to... I'm going to agree with you there, Avidan, of the whole in media res opening, because especially if you're, I mean, one, if you're revisiting a series, but just in general, when there's so much stuff out there, you need to grab people's attention. And I do think that works fairly well because you have almost immediate action. You have almost immediate cool magic stuff going on, even if you don't entirely know what's happening. And you also get an intro to a lot of the ongoing bits, like, you know, Edward being insecure about his height and everyone mistaking Alphonse for the Full Metal Alchemist because, you know, he's literally a walking suit of armor, which sure sounds more like Full Metal. And I kind of wonder if King Bradley did that on purpose. I mean, they said it was be- him being ironic, so. Yeah. V- very ironic, I'd say. But I do like the introduction of Bradley in the first episode, whereas the original anime, I'm like, you're, you're waiting a while later, like, while later. So it's interesting. And the fact that, unfortunately, going into Brotherhood, I know where that story is going to go later. I'm like, oh, this is going to be interesting. And the anime style, I, I do like a lot more in Brotherhood than the original. But that's just my preference. Yeah, I've personally never seen the original, so I don't fully know what's there, but I have read the whole manga. So I also know where it's going. And that's definitely a bit of an adventure early on. Because I remember, like, all the. I remember those twists, but we should probably avoid that. Let's save that yeah, for later. We don't want to ruin things for Avidon. Oh, this cool thing happens to the guy who's only seen three episodes is kind of mean it is very mean i mean look i had a pretty decent assumption that cool things probably were going to happen in the episodes after the ones i watched so if you just want to say cool things happen i don't think that in itself is a spoiler just don't get specific but it's also not something we should be focusing on the conversation of like oh but we're gonna go to this but we can't say it so let's just focus on the here and now also fair yep that's boring content so also, jumping way, way back when you said, well, this is a little weird. That is the classic reaction to anime, and I feel you, because that's how I felt when I first started watching it, and I feel like we should note that. Oh, good. I'm not alone. But jumping back in... Ooh, I mean, I kind of want to talk about Father Cornello, personally, in episode two, because just... Episode three. Like, three. 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 Aha! I'm learning. Good for you. I'm messing up numbers. Father Cornello, like... Okay, what just immediately jumped to mind with him was wanting to do comparisons to Mazgus in Berserk, which is like jumping way across stuff. And also, like... Do you wonder if that thing in Dishonored where you broadcast the regent's ramblings about how he's being evil was inspired by this scene in Full Metal Alchemist? 
Because I could totally see that being a deliberate reference. I mean, I think it's a fairly common trope that's done in a lot of things. I don't know how it's done in Dishonored, but it's Yeah, I mean, in Dishonored, in Dishonored, you like sneak in and pull the guy's personal diary from a locked safe and then broadcast it across an entire island. Yeah, there's certainly enough uh, tropes to, to have like bad guy broadcasts it stuff to people. I don't know if it was deliberate, but that happened in Monsters Inc. as well. Did it? Oh, yeah, wow. at the end with Water Nose or whatever his name is. That's how they defeat him. It's been long enough since I've seen that that I don't remember that. I think Dishonored's just in my mind for whatever odd reason. But also just like Father Cornello, Corrupt Church. It's definitely like, it is always sort of interesting what Japan tends to do with like Western church imagery. Or or just Western ideas in general. That Those, those are fun. <laughs> I enjoy seeing those. Um, Father Cornello, to me, I'd say, I mean, if you want, if you want to introduce action, you want to introduce, um, I believe Full Metal is considered shonen, not 100% shonen. Yeah, you gotta have, you gotta have a good, strong bad guy to start. It. Let's let's get right into it. Father Cornello kind of puts that out there, especially episodes two and three introduce the Philosopher's Stone. So. Mm-hmm. That's kind of ties into that. I like, though, that they don't exactly explain it to death. So you get a little bit, but just enough to be like, well, what? What? what what's happening here? And I need to see more episodes to kind of see, well, what's happening here? So I do, I do like that introduction into that and then what happens to him when you see, I think this is end of episode three, you see these two people that they don't introduce, which I like. Um, but we do hear their names. Yes, we do. We definitely do. Um, Lust and gluttony. And I almost accidentally said glust and gluttony, which is <laughs> not right. It is Sunday afternoon, people. It's okay. <laughs> it's totally okay. I know, Avidan, you're going to have so much trouble keeping track of which of those two was lust and which was gluttony. I know it's confusing. I know the the it's the really attractive woman is gluttony and the fat guy eating everything is lust, right? Exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah, you're totally right. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's, it's interesting how they set that up. It's like, okay, well, if y'all want to see more, go to the next episode. Yeah, and it's also like, well, hmm, I wonder what you're referencing there. Hmm, wow, what set of ideas related to the church could it be that you're introducing in a corrupt church that you just took down? And it's like, wow, you're getting heavy-handed with that symbolism. I mean, this is the series where the main character spends a whole half an episode talking about how he doesn't believe in God and whatever, so it's kind of blatant in that. Yeah, although, like, also, he did literally, like, see the truth slash whatever God sort of is in the context, like, because, I mean, like, we've seen his first experience with human transmutation, then it's like, I am you, also, I am maybe God, also, this is the truth, also, I'm going to take your leg, and, like, that, that certainly sets him up to be all like, this is bullshit in the face of 
the corrupt church guy. Like, there's no culture. Like, he has literally seen the life, universe, and everything, or all that. Yeah, or at least a fragment of it. So, like, he very definitely knows and has lived that Father Cornello is full of bullshit. Wholeheartedly agree on that. I, I do like, though, they don't reference. Because they, they they show it quick. The door, the eye that comes when they open the door, and then that white figure that's talking to Ed in the very beginning. And it's like, oh, well, what place is this by all means? It's definitely not referenced as hell. That references purgatory. It's not references anything. So I, I want to say Brotherhood might explain it later on, but uh, it's been a minute I've seen that whole show. So I, I, have, a quick, I have a question. Because, and this is for those that may have a better handle on culture than I do, but... Go and ask was, away, dear transfer student, Avidon. Oh, well, thank you, Senpai. Um, was, Tensei. Oh, Tensei. Damn it. <laughs> Coming aside. Anyway. Um, the, the robes that Father uh, Cornello are wearing, are those indicative of any actual real-life religion? Because they're not quite, you know, uh, Christian Catholic type uh, robes. But I don't know if they were trying to make some subtle gesture to some other established religion. I mean, to some extent, it does sort of look like the classic priest, priest cassock, I want to say. But I'm not entirely sure. To my knowledge, there's not any, like, Japanese robes that specifically of any of that style. So since it's just kind of... FMA is just like very much a this is a very made up Western thing with a bunch of Western like stuff. I think it's just supposed to be like this is like what is traditionally Catholic pre- preachers look like. It's not exact, but it's kind of like that to get the point across. You know what I mean? No, yeah, that is definitely a cassock. That is a classic Western priestly garment associated with like Catholic Church, Anglican Church probably Episcopals. Because, like, I know certainly that, at least in certain Eastern Asian countries, uh, certain religions aren't always as welcome. So I didn't know if they were trying to make, like, a more deeper statement here or this was just a, hey, let's put him in something that's kind of recognizable. Yeah, I mean, like, Japan does definitely have a history of not welcoming Christianity. Like, that was very definitely a thing where it was outlawed for a while. And then, I mean, some of the, uh, I want not shoguns, daimyo, was it daimyo? I want to say, assuming I'm remembering my history correctly, it's been about four years since I did extensive study of Japanese history. But towards the end of the Tokugawa shogunate, aka Edo period, some of the daimyo that sort of rose up in rebellion and led the rebellions that would become the Meiji Restoration, those were led by some daimyo that had converted to Christianity. And that's also part of why those particular daimyo were, I guess, looked down upon, if I'm remembering correctly, was because they had converted. And I want to say that like, when Japan was being isolationist, was it Portuguese? I don't, I want to say it was the Portuguese. They'd initially been trading with the, like, 
we'll see if I remember this correctly. I'll need to do some research after this, and then maybe we'll have like cutting in. Actually, I misremembered everything, but at least based upon my memory, they'd been originally trading with the Portuguese, but stopped because the Portuguese were Catholic and were insistent on being able to proselytize. And then they switched to trading with the Dutch, I think, because the Dutch were Protestant and didn't insist on proselytization the way the Catholics did. And then later on, there was some good old gunboat diplomacy under Commodore Matthew Perry from the US. And then later on, the Meiji Restoration and all sorts of history stuff. But yes, Japan does have a history of demonizing and trying to avoid Christianity in its past. So that is a thing. And I don't know if maybe that makes them more comfortable depicting the church in a negative light than Western writer than like writer writers from Western cultures might. That's something we could posit, but we don't really necessarily know. I mean, I would I would say there's definitely from my sort of big knowledge, not so sort of big knowledge on anime, you've got a couple of shows that will show something depicting Christianity or something mentioning it. Um, I want to say Trinity Blood is a big one <laughs> on Christianity, sort of. Um, but yeah, there, there's there's lots of whatever they want to do, Western references. They try to do it as loosely as possible unless it is heavily, heavily tied to a plot of some sort. So if if it's like mentioning a specific Western church or if there's a Western part of the plot in it, you'll, you'll see something <laughs> regarding Western civilization within Japan or within or tying into the Eastern culture that is their own stuff. Um, I, I do like when they cross over because it, it gives me a little chuckle. I'm like, oh, OK, sure, that's. That's us Americans. All right, we're we're good. Okay, all right, I get it. Or the Europeans, that too. For me, I think that it's very much a case by case basis because there are some things like what Jen said that um, are like that. But then I'm thinking of a certain magical index which blatantly references every type of thing. It's got like all the stuff about the Roman Catholic Church and the Anglicans and all this stuff, and it's all crazy, whatever. But then you have things like Evangelion where they just throw in laser crosses because they flat out said oh we think christianity has cool imagery so i think this is sort of in the middle of just like i don't think hiromu arakawa was like trying to say anything specifically with that i think like with a lot of it's like that's a cool thing i can make a story around so i'm gonna include it but that's just me and i mean i think the thing to consider is that we are talking about writers who are people and they're working with what knowledge they have like some extent, the fact that we're analyzing how they use Western imagery so closely is because we are Western, and that's stuff where we know a lot about the stories, a lot about the history, because that's what's taught to us. So we're thinking in depth about it, whereas we're then talking in broad, whereas then when we talk about our writing or our representations of other cultures, we tend to talk about it in broad strokes of China, Japan, because that's something where we don't know as much. It's more other and thus we're working in broader strokes so what we have being shown in Fullmetal Alchemist could be more like the broad strokes of the two 
the writers and artists and like the context of it, like the exotic Western civilization to them and playing with a bit of like the broad strokes that they have and they know about of like, oh, church corruption is a thing. And like when you think about imagery of like big fancy church stuff, you usually think of Catholics, Anglicans, like high church. So that's probably part of what filters over and part of what exists in the writer's consciousness when they're creating these worlds and referencing these things. And then as they know more, you get more complexity because you you write what you know. Yeah, I'd agree on that. That's that's definitely what they do. But I just I just enjoy it. I'm like, by all means, be artistic, play around with the concepts and then see what comes of that. And I think with Full Metal Brotherhood in particular, it, it plays off to me, it plays off really well. I'm like, oh, all right. This guy's not a good guy. He probably made this thing up. Okay, we're we're gonna go right into this and then see what the outcome is, which is the Elric brothers doing what they do best. And of course that all lines up with the rest of the anime series as to how central the Elric brothers are to everybody else that comes into play later. Well, they are the main characters of the show. I kind of would expect them to line up with everybody else that comes later. Yeah, the main characters are just gonna sit off the side and do nothing well. Um someone else just saves the world. That's how it usually is supposed to go, right? Oh, definitely. Of course. Only in my D&D campaign. <laughs> or Final Fantasy 12. Or Final Fantasy 12. Yep, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, did I ever beat Final Fantasy 12? I don't remember. I've never played it. I just know that Vaughn and Pinello are the focus characters, but they don't really matter to the plot. Yeah, they definitely don't really matter. Although, like, also, I don't entirely know why, but I've picked up mannerisms from that game specifically. Like, I def like you know how Pinello has the thing where she stands and then she has, like, the one arm kind of back behind her and then she has the other arm crossed and holding it, like, holding her own upper arm. And she stands like that all the time. I do that all the time. And I think I started doing that when I played Final Fantasy XII. I mean, I just watched a Let's Play of it, so I don't really know that much detail. And that's more than me. I don't know what's happening anymore. Yeah, that's basically like the two iconic ways in which the two viewpoint characters stand are things that I do all the time. And I'm not entirely sure why, but I think it's because of the game. Back to anime. Anime. I was trying to do the stupid Batman thing, but. Yeah, that's why I did the anime after it, because it's like, no, 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 Batman, except no, 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 anime. Because that totally makes sense. Very much so, yes. I'll, I'll go with that. Okay, so uh, I had another question that I wanted to, to bring up. Um, and this is a weird combination of episode two and the opening credits. So um, having have watched... So I, I've been able to, like, as like the opening credit montage, like, kind of pick out which, like, certain scenes relating to other things. But so like I see, you know, all of um, Al's body kind of being taken away and the arm and the leg being taken away from uh, Elric. But then Winnie is also in that sequence and and is just kind of waving back and forth with nothing 
And does that mean anything? Or is that like a thing to come later? Is this just a they needed a still to to fill the credit sequence? Um I don't really think it's what it's not really something. It's more symbolic the way it is. It's like that when that happened, obviously they lost something. Ed lost his his arm and his leg. Al lost his body. But the way she like stumbles or whatever is kind of like a thing of like she's lost something too because of how important they are to her and how it's just as much her that people she cares about suffered so much. So it's more like she lost something invisible than a physical body part to be taken literally. I think. Yeah, and like she definitely clearly devotes a lot of effort to taking care of Edward and Alphonse because like like she's just there constantly and making sure that they get food and like worrying about them when Mustang and Hawkeye come and like she's clearly very devoted to them and clearly very affected by how Alphonse lost his body and Edward lost an arm and a leg. Yeah, I um, I guess I'm waiting for their inevitable trope of she becomes a romantic interest of one of them uh, at some point. Don't tell me if that actually happens or not, but that's certainly the um, trope I'm waiting on. That, yeah, that's a f- fair expectation. I mean, that is the classic thing to expect. Might have yeah, already hinted at it in episode two. Who knows? But they are hinting at other cool things about her that I fucking love, or at least I remember them in the manga. So there is good. There are good things coming. Okay, I'm assuming I know what you talk about, and that's one of my favorite scenes, if it is. I mean, there are several things I'm talking about, but good things are coming, Avidan. Do not lose hope. There will be good things coming with Winry. Cool. Yeah, I'd say for the opener enders, if my knowledge serves me correctly, um, they're very much like artistic. I want to say they're they're just artistic in showing the characters, but also showing like the art style, going with the music. So it all kind of goes. I really do like certain opener enders. I have like a bunch on my computer from various anime. Um, but it also gives a good introduction to a lot of the music that they play in Japan. So you get to discover new bands that way, um, different genres of music that they do. So I, de- I definitely dig it. But yeah, Winry's one of my favorites in that show. She is one of my favorite characters in that show. Ba- based on everything that comes after the first three episodes. I look forward to her uh, future appearances then. Um, trust me. Oh, sorry, go no, no, go ahead. I was gonna say, trust me. There's more to her than throwing wrenches at Edward's head. I believe that, considering her and her mother, grandmother, grandmother. whatever, grandmother, her parents managed to come up, come, managed to come up with a prosthetic arm and leg that somehow can be controlled, despite the fact that there's no way metal just slapped onto a nerve ending works. So. Uh, yeah, I believe it. Well, okay, to be fair, automail is like not a super uncommon thing in the world. Like, it's a thing. It's not like an amazing super special prosthetic. Right, but 
doesn't but doesn't he say like that he had it custom made or specially made when he gets like bitten or something? I yes, he does say that it is special, but I always thought of that more as just like maybe slightly better than average materials or rather than using normal steel, like using some special super hard high carbon steel that's carefully heat treated or whatever. I always thought it was a personal thing of like, hey, uh, Winry and her grandmother made this for me. It's important to me. But because well, because like the context for that that I think you're referencing, Avidan, is like he blocks the chimera bite and Father Cornella says like he can bite through steel, or maybe he says iron specifically. Yeah, I think he specifically says iron. It can bite through iron. And then Al chimes in with, but my auto male arm is specially made as he proceeds to just have it in the chimera's jaws and it can't do anything about it, which is like, I mean, I doubt it's like some super amazing special material, but I could definitely see it being something beyond average, whether that's like carefully heat treated high carbon steel or maybe using alchemy to get some like fucking crazy carbon nanotube bullshit going i mean but regardless we're dealing with like being able to control like make something that can perfectly connect to nerves and do full articulation in a setting around the 1920s comparatively so hey and coming and joining us in the classroom we have sarah Woo! hello <laughs> Hello, we are glad to see you joining us. Welcome yes. to the podcast. You're late. We're taking off points. <laughs> we can't take away points. She's another sensei. Oh, yeah. Hmm. You, you win this round. Pictures. Like okay, but I'm going to be resentful. Community. I'm going to be resentful towards any homework assignments you give me. <laughs> All right, noted. Transfer student is resentful if we give him homework. Oh, no, just but to Sarah. Not, not because, okay. Because she was late. Just Everyone else. Sure, okay, so I'm good. Yeah. Wait, yeah. you were late to late to anime school. I was. I was. I I overslept. Oh well, the world hasn't ended, but we have you here, and that's what matters. I was up late playing video games. Solid choice, but you're here now. That's what matters. I guess a quick recap of where we are. We are talking about Full Metal Alchemist, talked a bit about Father Cornello and all the stuff there, had a little bit of a thing about like history of Japan and how they feel about Christianity and how that maybe influences how they represent such institutions in their media. Mm. And um, I can't remember what we were literally just talking about. We're talking about Automail. Yeah, and I was I had brought specifically up uh, Winry in the in the opening credit sequence, which actually leads me to the other random moment I have I wanted to talk about in the opening credit sequence because I'm all about opening credit sequences, um, which is like what I can best describe as like a solid eight seconds of Ed standing in a field doing nothing but staring off into the distance while the wind blows around him. And I looking about as emo as I could ever imagine. 
And I just don't know if that was just like a meaningful thing or a way the artist to say, hey, look, we know how to do wind and hair uh, in a field. Um, possibly both of like, look at the cool wind blown hair. Also, look at how sad and pensive and moody the protagonist is. I mean, there in most Full Metal Alchemist openings, there is at least some part where Ed and or Al are just kind of standing or sitting, being pensive or whatever. So they look sad in a field somewhere. Every opening, it's 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 part of it. Or maybe it was Bones saying, "Hey, we're coming back after all these years with this new anime, and look how good it is with our wind stuff compared to the previous one." Or something. Didn't I don't that know. also have wind stuff? <laughs> I don't know. I've never I seen it correctly. I haven't yeah, seen there, it. there was wind stuff there too. Okay, wind. Look at wind. It's awesome. I just know that people are like, "Ooh, the lighting's so good." So I don't know anything more. I mean, wind is definitely cool and good. Wind good. Wind good. Wind blown hair is cool. Why do you think that people put so much effort into it when they're doing all those aesthetic photo shoots? You're right. No, I mean, I understand. I, I mean, I'm not trying to read too much into this stuff. I'm just trying to kind of like take it all in. Uh, and, you know, for a, what is otherwise a pretty um, motion heavy, uh, like movement heavy credit sequence, of like various montage and people moving around and whatever's happening, explosions, whatnot. It, it is just kind of random to me to have like a solid span of time where nothing's happening except the camera slowly putting, moving in on his face. He just kind of stands there doing literally nothing in a field. Sometimes anime just likes, has that where they just like need to fill time. Like, especially in first openings where there's less to show. Like, in a lot of shows where, like, this big cast, like, as they go on, they'll get more and more stuff going on because you've got, like, 30 characters to introduce in all these fight scenes. But with this, it's like, we can't say too much. We just got to get the basic idea. So maybe we need to fill eight seconds with nothing. Oh, well. Or, I mean, also, like, it could be to fit the music because, like, the intro song, it has that sort of calmer start before it takes off into something more action-oriented. Right, so that that this little bit happens right after the title "Full Metal Alchemist" shows up. So it's like after the da, 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 and then goes to like the. I actually know why there's wind in the opening. The wind in the opening is supposed to show the struggle that the protagonist will face because that's a common thing in anime. Wind represents a future struggle. Oh, I've never heard that's, that's that. That's pretty one, deep. Now. That's pretty deep. I just thought it was wind, but well, okay. I am very we'll glad that. you joined today because that is useful information. It's like you know they put like symbolism. Like to us, it looks stupid because I, the scene you're talking about it goes from Edward and then it shows Hohenheim. So we're only talking about the first three episodes, so obviously we cannot go a bit farther into the explanation for this, but. You know, the way that it transitions is very telling. I mean, I always assumed that was his dad. Uh, nobody needs to confirm that. I'm just putting out my prediction right now that the guy they cut to in that opening sequence is his dad. But, you know, 
have it on the record. prediction is acknowledged. Revisit it later. It is officially on the record. It has been recorded by Craig. We will have this recording, and then when we get an answer, if he ever shows up again ever, we will play it back, and we will know whether you have good prediction (laughs) skills. We'll, like, edit it in and have a bit of, like... Flashback music. Flashback sound. And then, like... I predict this, and then you can have your like, I told you so, or oh, wow, I sure was wrong. Or whatever is appropriate. I, I would say, if if we're giving this much thought to an opener, Avidan, I gotta give you a thriller psychological anime, because that might just blow your mind. Well, that can come up a bit later, so let's stick to Full Metal for now. Yeah, about to say the Full Metal Alchemist opening is already blowing my mind. Let's let's you know ease in a little more to like. Yeah, let's break, ease in. Like, we don't want know. to break our transfer student's brain. No other school would have me. Oh. No, but seriously, um, yeah. I mean, I I was like, I mean, I also like a music kind of person, which is why I also kind of put a lot into the opening sequences and stuff. Because I really like how mm-hmm. I'm really liking how over the course of the you know few episodes I've seen, how I can kind of link up characters that I see in the sequence. Um, you know, but I can see lust and gluttony um and and stuff that happens there in the opening. Mm-hmm. Um so like I have a sense of that are just like one random one off villains. It's like they're gonna be recurrent. Um that, like understanding more of the people who are in the um, uh, the various government people, you know, as they kind of in and out to like identify them as they get introduced. So it's it's kind of a helpful thing to kind of like tick off boxes as they're going through the episodes to be like, okay, I get that reference, I get that reference, I get that reference. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like the intro does serve as kind of a trailer mm-hmm. in a way, like a ho- like it's sort of a trailer for the whole series of like. It doesn't necessarily set up a ton of story, but it does set up like sort of vignettes of these are characters, these are moods that you'll experience in the show. And I think that holds across more than just Fullmetal Alchemist. I think that holds in general for a lot of anime. That said, you should be wary about trusting it too much because like with trailers, yes. sometimes there'll be things that just don't happen and... So, like, don't be going like, okay, I'm expecting this because it happened because sometimes it'll be completely different Mm -hmm. or like it'll happen way later or someone will give press be shown with. And sometimes like I've had things where it's like they show a character who doesn't even show up in that season. So you never know what to do. So I'm I'm not looking at it. Yeah, I'm not looking at it as like the roadmap per se, but like I'm. It, it's kind of neat for me to be able to decipher the parts that I can uh, mm-hmm. from the context clues as they come up. Yeah. And I think the other thing there, Herod, like to continue with your point, Ross, of like, even if it's like to some extent sort of wrong, like a trailer, sometimes it is also deliberately used by the showrunners as a storytelling tool. Sometimes they will use the openings and endings to set a mood or set expectations so that they can deliberately subvert that later. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think analyzing it as part of the story makes a ton of sense, even if we also need to, like, be critical with the lens we're analyzing it with, because 
I mean, one, sometimes stuff won't actually show up. Two, sometimes the writers could be deliberately fucking with us. Like, there's a lot to it. Like, it's written and it's part of the storytelling. Just like even the episode proper. It's not just like, woo, get hype, full metal alchemist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying to discount it or whatever. There's obviously a lot of cool stuff and a lot of things. It's just like, don't get too reliant on it. Take everything with a grain of salt. And don't get mad if something doesn't happen happen, or happen the opening or that the opening leads you to think something will be really big and then it's not a big deal or just use it and think about it, but don't let it rule your discussion because I've seen that happen a lot and it leads to unpleasantness. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. So I noticed we barely talked about episode two, so... Did we not talk about that episode? I feel yeah. like that's a we big talked, thing we should talk about. Aside we from talked the about the stuff. Yeah, we mentioned the Winry stuff a little, and we talked a bit about the first episode, and then mostly went in depth on episode three. So, if you want to take us into episode two, all right. Well. Oh my god. There's a lot to talk about with episode two, right? Episode two, right? Yeah, episode two. Um, episode, that's yeah, that was the flashback. Have, yeah, that's the ba- flashback. Backstory episode. Backstory, the human transmutation, trying to bring back dead, dead mother. Parents all around. Which, by the way, everybody knows, never try to bring back your dead mother. There has never been a solid yeah. piece of media where that works out well. I mean, you haven't seen a lot of anime, so I can't really say that that's true. At least it's because it's such a taboo, especially in, you know, Western circles to try and bring back the dead. Also, it's like it's very frowned upon to try and bring back dead people. That is the classic, like, Scientists oversteps their boundaries and treads upon the domain of God. Like that that just is the classic thing of like, we're going to try to bring back the dead. Like you see that in Frankenstein, you see, you it see in that Ruby, in Ruby, you see it in You see it in Ruby, you see it in Full Metal Alchemist, you probably see it in a whole variety of other things. I'm sure there's some horror movie where someone tries to bring back the dead. I mean which is like playing half- right now, Stephen King's Pet Cemetery, which is also a book. Yes, exactly. Pet Does Cemetery. that mean Avengers Endgame is going to be a horror movie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, different yes. show for different folks, I gotta say. And I've just dated this podcast. Yeah, well, I mean, we're talking about, a, I mean, not old anime, but relative not super recent anime, so what? So what if people know this is recorded before the release of Avengers Endgame? I mean, technically the comic is out. The, the comic book was out before the movie, so what dating? Well, I mean, yes, the comic book was out before the movie, but more people watch the movies than read the comics. I mean, I sometimes watch the movies and I don't read the comics. Almost all the comics I read are either on the web or from Japan. Comics are also loose, at, or movies are loose adaptations that could take things from all over. It's not like this where FMA is following exactly what happened at the manga. So 
you could mm-hmm. guess what's happening based on comics, but you never know. Yeah. I imagine that all of the Marvel movies are much looser adaptations of their source material than Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is of its source material. I haven't seen all of the anime yet, so I can't strictly speaking speaking speak to how loose or not of an adaptation it is, but second thought, the fact that they already cut out the creepy parrot person makes this the worst adaptation ever. We should skip it. <laughs> creepy parrot person? I don't remember the creepy parrot person. Okay, so the f- the stuff with Father Cornello and Lior was where the manga started. And it was also, yes. like, I think the first two or three chapters. So, yeah, it's the first two chapters. Yeah, so they have more detail. And one thing is that, like, the whole thing with Father Cornello being like, I'm bringing Rose, Rose, I'm bringing your boyfriend back to life. It's like he had this thing where, like, he had, like, this bedroom with, like, a curtain blocking it. And there was, like, a someone talking on the bed that we couldn't see. And it's like, I'm in the process and it's working. And the, it was saying his name. But then when they took out the curtain, it was like a parrot chimera just saying Rose. And it was really freaky. I completely <laughs> forgot about that. I completely forgot about that. I was wondering, like, why is she so convinced? That this man can bring back the dead because he can turn flowers into pretty gems. But the part that I forgot from the manga helps explain it. I think they showed it in the original. I want to say that. Yeah, that at one point. Rose goes to a room and she thinks she hears and sees her dead boyfriend yeah that's what i'm talking about the anime the original anime cover that that's one of those things where it's like oh we spent two episodes in that anime showing this in detail but that's not relevant directly to the plot so let's just do this one where we want to get to the new stuff let's just have the fact that leor happens is important but we don't need to deal with the whole rose fake dead boyfriend thing when we just need to deal with Rose also ends up playing a much bigger role in the original Fullmetal Alchemist than she does in Brotherhood. Yeah, because that's the thing. It's like when you have like 20-something, 30 chapters, and then you're like, make an entire ending, and you're like, I gotta use the pieces I already have or make up terrible new things, so might as well use what I have. Whereas the original stuff can go like, and I'm going to add this character in chapter 60, and I'm going to add this chap, this character, whatever, and I can do whatever I want. So they have more freedom to have minor characters, I guess. Mm-hmm. So should we like, circle back to episode two, since we kind of went right past that? Oh, yeah. Let <laughs> 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 me circle around it. I guess we just don't want to talk about episode two. I mean, two, look, but episode two, backstory episode stuff happened move on i don't know uh it was i I mean i thought it was it was good i mean i I mean i guess i had at the beginning of the of the podcast like i'm glad to have the backstory so i kind of have the context for things that were mentioned in episode one um because like at the very end of episode one um the bad guy isaac that's name um isaac mcdougall yeah thanks uh, makes the comments like, "Oh, you did it! You did! You're the guys who did the human transmutation." I'm like, "I don't know what that is, but it doesn't sound good." And I bet I'm gonna find out about that in the moment. And then we got to episode two. I was like, "Oh yeah, I was right. It wasn't good." Um, 
you know, never also, I guess it's a common trope. Nothing ever goes well when precocious children try to do something that adults say you shouldn't do, uh, especially when it comes to magic. Listen to your parents, kids. <laughs> parents are always right. No. And I, I say that as a parent. Yes, we are. Um, it, it, it was... I mean, I, I can basically say, like, I could see it coming from a mile away. This was going to go wrong, even without having seen episode one. Like, I could already tell you this was this was something horribly, horribly awry was going to was going to happen here. Um, and I guess I'm only surprised nobody checked up on the kids sooner than they did because it was like years, right, between when that happened to when um, the soldiers came to check up on them. Was it? Because no, I feel it's like... very, no, it's very recent because you can in the episode you see Ed is still very, very much recovering from the initial shock of what happened. I think Avida meant years between when their mother died and when they were doing that, right? Was that what? Yes. You no, I I meant I oh, thought right. it was a, it was years between when everything went when um, Ed lost his arm and leg and now his body and when. They were um, picked up to become part of the army. Oh no, that was really close. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I think like the military heard almost immediately of like, oh no, there are precocious children doing illegal, dangerous alchemy. We Except should investigate. You know, with a child, right? No, he didn't know it was a child because he said, "All I, I yeah, all he's ready to go in and beat the shit out of whoever did it." And then he opens the door. And he's like, "Oh." Well, I thought, doesn't he say, like, um, I had heard there was a brilliant alchemist here, but I didn't expect it to be a kid. Yeah. But they also didn't know human transmutation. They just had heard about skilled alchemy in the area. Which, that's true. come to Although, think of it, I don't remember if they've explained that. Could it have also been their alchemy teacher? That Because, like, they had a teacher, and we also know that there's a remark by... I think like just like when Ed is recovering and he first does alchemy again, how he does it without the transmutation circle and Alphonse remarks just like their teacher. I don't think that was in Risenbool though. Was it? So were they not learning in the I mean we haven't got we, I don't want to talk because we haven't seen it, but this is it's the problem. Really hard. It's really hard to stay on the three episode thing while it's not just coming out. <laughs> we also have someone who's only seen three episodes ever, so we can't yeah. really. Hi. But yeah. I'll just say this. This is where you see the differences between the original and the and Brotherhood. Yeah. And that's about it. That's that's all I'll say to that. <laughs> For another thing, they also changed the order again. Like well, the very first panel of the manga was showing the human transmutation with Ed losing a leg. They didn't show the full thing until like I think like ten to fifteen chapters in. So mm, yeah, they we would have had more understanding of everything else before we just went back to see this. I don't know if the teacher thing was established when that was established in reference relationship to this, but. Mm -hmm. That also is like the, the skilled alchemist comet, though, is a reference to something. Brotherhood's probably gonna go later on with that. 
Whereas the original went somewhere else with it. Yeah. From okay, so one I, thing. Okay, sorry, go ahead, Ross. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say like one thing that I know, when I was watching, I'm like the whole time when Al took like three minutes to explain to Rose about what happened to his body and whatever. I'm like, we saw that last episode. Why are you wasting time? But the reason was because that was the first time it was explained in the manga. So that's what I'm saying. It's kind of odd that they moved it this way and might have made some things. Okay. So I I double checked uh, a summary of episode two for the timeline to figure out where I went wrong here. So it it was the first flashback occurs 10 years before the present day. That's when they first discovered they have alchemical ability. And then it says four years ago was when the Mustang shows up. So I guess I thought there was a, and then it takes them like a year to master the arm again. So I guess that's where all my timeline got kind of wonky. Yeah. So Mustang shows up, he recovers and gets the automail and that takes a year. And then I guess he's been a state alchemist for like three years, which is part yeah. of how he has a reputation. Yeah. Cause he got, he became an alchemist, a state alchemist at 12 and he's 15 now. Yes. And they're like all in the same age range. Well, I mean, Alphonse is obviously younger, but like Winry is like 15 too, right? Same age, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very close. Because I remember being like 14, 15, first reading the manga. And of course, lesbian little me was real gay for Winry. (laughs) I thought you mentioned it was Risa that was distracting you last time. Wait, what? Didn't one of the posts you said like, oh, I was distracted about this timeline or this character because I was distracted by Risa, so. Oh, like, definitely her, too. Like, it's not, I wasn't super gay for just one character. Fair enough. It was for Hawkeye and Winry. I know who I was gay for, but I'm not allowed to bring that person up yet. (laughs) <laughs> no, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. I will say though, I was definitely on the hunt for strong female characters, and with Full Metal, you've got quite a few. So Winry yeah. definitely one, and Hawkeye definitely number two. I I, I enjoy seeing um, which I will say with with a, with American cartoons. I'll say from the nineties. You didn't see that too, too much. You saw it a little bit, but not a lot. And with anime, I'm like, holy crap, I can get male, I can get female, I could probably even get a thing or an animal as just a strong character with its own backstory, with its own development over time, and kind of seeing in a weird way sometimes how you as a person can relate to this character that's on the screen. I understand. Yeah, like, there's a lot, like, there are definitely some ways in which, in terms of representation, Japan can be better than the U.S., some ways in which they can be worse, which, I mean, we'll doubtless encounter more of that as we go on, because there's a whole lot more characters. Also, this manga is also written by a woman, (laughs) which changes the way women in the series are written. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, wasn't 
like, wasn't that a thing where like the artist, like people had just assumed the artist was male and then she yeah. just showed up to a thing that she was invited to and people were like, wait, what? That has happened a few times, actually. Like that's happened with, um, what was it? Um, there's this other show, Gangsta, where they all assumed that the, the author was male because of the name she uses as like her pen name. But she was like, no, I'm a woman. And it's, if you see Gangsta's art style, you understand why they thought she was a man. With, you know, like, stereotypically the way that the characters are drawn. Anyways, um, I liked the representation of women in Fullmetal Alchemist a lot. Especially growing up, like, watching it. I was very happy with that. Um, yeah, like, Hawkeye is, like, fucking great role model winry's a good teenage crot okay i mean i'm coming at this from the perspective of being like blatant raging lesbian but like hawkeye was a great role model of like here's someone who's protective and caring but also fucking badass winry as like perfect teen crush or like someone to aspire to be especially if you're like a stem-minded girl because like i work in ai now and I mean, like, strictly speaking, Winry's like mechanics and stuff, but like, she's basically an engineer. Like, yeah. Also, don't forget Trish, who is the perfect model, model of how to be a dead parent in anime. She was. She be very she sweet. And you will die. She had the hair. She Motherly side plate, sweet and caring, and apron. Yeah, she was going to die. <laughs> So I'll be down to learn all the tropes way, way, way later on. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, once he watches more anime, he'll he'll see more of the dead mom hair. I mean, let me tell you, I watch enough Disney to tell you about the dead mom trope. You're right. We we should see if we can find anime to make you watch featuring lots of dead dads so that we can like teach you all the tropes to avoid to make sure that you're kill a kill. I'm telling you, kill a kill. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, Ross <laughs> and Kill a Kill. Oh we brought it up again. I mean, Naruto is another one, but I'm just saying there are a lot of dead dads in Naruto. A lot of dead dads. Too many. <laughs> a lot Too of many. them. And then more die later. So cool. Being a parent's a risky business, apparently. Um, one other thing I want to bring up. I like the dynamic. You don't see it as much yet, but the dynamic in the relationship that um Roy and Riza have, it's a good basis for, you know, heterosexual relationships. And you'll probably see that more later, but they're very respectful of each other. And anyways, I like them. Yeah, they're good. They're very good. Also I appreciate the part in the first episode where she like like I don't even remember like Try not, to get... in the try not to be useless. Yes. You're, you're, try to not to. Oh, you're like, stop, like, was it? It's like try to only be useless in the rain, because yeah. it was after he got whatever. After so. she like hands him more of the gloves, and it's just that was such a good <laughs> sassy line. That was just such a good sassy line. I loved it so much. Land just just becomes sad later. Yeah. Also, like. I was surprised there was so much sulfur and niter and like gunpowder stuff inside people. 
when they were doing the calculations in episode two for what made up a person? Well, I think it's because they were going off like base elements. Once you break everything down far enough, it gets kind of samey, samey. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I know, but also it's like, this is reading almost like a recipe for gunpowder. And it's just like, I wonder if this is going to explode. No. It's like explain spontaneous combustion. It's also like, find out next time on Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Gonna just blow a whole bunch of people up. Trying to remember if that happens at all. Do people just get blown up spontaneously in Full Metal Alchemist? I think that's spoiler territory that we're going to do. I know a very clear episode, but I can't say it. In episode one, don't they kind of get blown up when the guy like boils the water in their body? I mean, before, like, they that's get, what I was thinking about. They get steamed to death. Well, okay, but they do explicitly say like st- they do explicitly talk about steam explosions. So I think that yeah. kind of counts. That's true. It could certainly turn you into a bloody pulpy mess. We. Yay! Lovely bloody pulpy mess from all the water bo- in your body boiling all at once. See, I'm just thinking of another character that I, oh, was it, it was either episode, no, it was episode one of Brotherhood that they introduce, they find out later, and that was the Crimson Alchemist. So we'll just leave it at that. There was a bunch of characters in episode one that are just like, hey, this is a character, maybe you should remember them, which was kind of awkward. Yeah. Oh, your kids are awake. Okay. Um, I guess our transfer student has to go to the nurse's office real quick. <laughs> nurse's office. <laughs> Hopefully, he's not spontaneously combusting. Let, let's let's hope that that doesn't happen. Yeah, spontaneous combustion would be terribly unfortunate. Advanced kids are going to learn how to do alchemy. <sighs> nice. Oh God, let's not even go there. Okay, so, uh, yeah, uh, please excuse me, teachers, but for I must uh, depart. Don't forget your hall pass. Yep, uh, don't forget your hall pass. All right, all right. I promise I'll bring it back the next time I'm on. All right. Well, it was good having you. Bye, Avidan. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Hey, guys, gals, and NV pals. Thanks for listening to Late to Anime School. Try to be on time next time. Try to be on time next time. And who knows what we'll be talking about next week. Maybe we'll be more Fullmetal Alchemist if we have our transfer student again. Maybe it'll be something else. We'll figure that out. We don't know. You don't know. Enjoy the drop. Enjoy the dramatic lack of knowledge. We are great teachers at planning out our schedule and curriculum. Yes, we are the best teachers. Excellent. We know how to plan things. And with that, bye. See you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Sayonara. Johnny. Oh, right. I need to be a weeb. Ja, matane.